Hey, Recreate family. I really hoped that I would see you in person this week, but the parking lot and around the facility is a little treacherous from the recent snow. I've made some arrangements to get that cleared, but it didn't quite work out in time. So here we are coming to you virtually. Wow. Really stressed over the decision to not have live services. And, uh, well, hopefully I made the right one. Well, won't know. Boy, what a lot of stress, huh? You got any stress in your life? Does it, does it ever seem like the world around us is calculated to create stress and anxiety and, if we call it what it is, fear? There's always some kind of panic about something. Panic about supply shortages. That's characterized our lives for a couple years. I went to the grocery store last week, and for some reason, there's no lettuce. No lettuce? I mean, nothing remotely even like lettuce. Who's eating all these salads? Are you really that healthy? <laughs> Two years into a pandemic, and COVID is still rampant. Uh, just this, this week, COVID took out meatloaf meatloaf some of you don't know who he is i'm not i'm not talking about meatloaf the food i mean meatloaf the dude the singer most famous for i would do anything for love if it's not stress about the virus it's stress about the vaccine or anxiety about divisions in our society political social and economic fear about natural disasters it's always something I know we say we wish the news would give us more stories about cute little puppies, but let's just face it, wildfires and murder hornets are a lot more attention-grabbing. Of course, stress, fear, and anxiety are big business for some folks. There are entities in this world who leverage fear to gain and keep power. Let's not forget that this world is currently under the influence of the devil, and the devil wants to keep us off balance. He hates faith, and he loves fear. Got to be honest, though. This isn't a new thing, really, is it? We had plenty to make us worry before the world got extra weird a couple years ago. You know, we're out here trying to pay our bills, we're trying to keep our family safe and not let down the people who mean the most to us. And for me, that counts you folks. I don't want to let you guys down. I, I want to be a, a good pastor to you. And uh, that's why decision not to have services this weekend live, boy, that weighs on me so much. Don't know if I made the right decision or not, but here we are, and we're making the best of it. Hmm. Well, we're hoping this country doesn't fall apart we're hoping we don't fall apart we hope we have enough we hope we are enough and it creates stress anxiety and fear satan is the enemy of our souls and he, he wants to keep us afraid anxious and stressed out listen listen you may not believe that god can do great things in your life and through your life. But let me tell you who does believe it. The devil believes it. 
Why do you think he's working so hard to keep you from having peace? This fear thing is not just a political battle. It's not just a personal battle. It is a spiritual battle. Nobody likes to admit being afraid. Our culture is becoming a little more open when people admit to being anxious and Well, just about all of us would confess to feeling stressed. Whatever label you want to put on it, it all comes from the same place. The uncertainty of life. Life was uncertain long before we had to deal with quarantine and not knowing if we got enough toilet paper. (laughs) There's always going to be troubles we can't predict. We work hard. We try to make ends meet. We try to look out for our families. We try not to let down the people who count on us. We try to be ready for whatever might come down the road, but we never really know what life might throw at us. We don't know how events that are completely out of our control might turn our lives upside down. No wonder people have stress, anxiety, and fear. Even the best best and most fulfilling things we have going for us aren't certain how are we supposed to build a life in a world that seems determined to knock us down we need a foundation not just any foundation a foundation that can endure the worst this world can dish out oh oh i got some good news for you are you ready for some good news There is a foundation that cannot be shaken. There is no other foundation on which we can build a peaceful life than Jesus Christ. He is the sure foundation. In Luke 12, Jesus preached a powerful message about trusting God. In the midst of that teaching, he he gave us this memorable line, and boy have I needed it. So bad this week. One of my biggest sources of stress, anxiety, and yes, fear is that I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be ready to share this message with you. So this comes from Luke chapter 12, verse 32, and it goes like this Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's stop there and pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us some peace right now. You know how I have had this stress and anxiety and fear over this message. And I pray you'll preach it to me as I'm preaching it to them in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's see what we can do with this, huh? All right. Jesus starts out by telling us, do not fear. We need to make sure we understand that in the the broader context of the whole Bible, not every kind of fear is a bad thing. The right kind of fear protects us. Have you ever been responsible for a a toddler? (laughs) It's it's a constant battle to keep them from hurting themselves. Um, Why? Because... They don't have any fear. They, they're not afraid to go diving headfirst off the couch. Um, 
when, when Jesus says, do not fear, he's not really telling us we should stand calmly in the path of an oncoming truck. No, it makes sense to be afraid in that moment. God gave us this amazing adrenal system that kicks in and will give us the speed and energy to move out of the way of a truck. But it's fear that pushes the go button on the adrenal system. The right kind of fear keeps us from crossing lines that we should not cross. The fear of consequences might keep you from knocking somebody's teeth out, even when they really seem to have it coming. It might keep you from burning the place down while you have the chance. The right kind of fear keeps us from making choices that would damage or destroy our most important relationships. At the, the right kind of fear, well, there's the, the fear of God. And the fear of God is sometimes misunderstood. It doesn't mean you're cowering in fear and you're afraid God's going to squish you. No, think of it more like this. Imagine for a moment the person whose respect means the most to you in the whole world. The person that it would embarrass you the most to let them down. That you don't want to do anything to make that person think less of you in any way. You know, growing up, making my grandparents ashamed of me was a fear that kept me from making some dumb decisions. I didn't want my, my grandparents to be embarrassed of me or, or ashamed or disappointed in me. So, Granny Rose, if you're listening, thank you for doing your part to keep me out of trouble. Now, that really doesn't do justice to the meaning of the fear of God, but it, it starts to give us an idea. The fear of God is such an overwhelming reverence for him that we dare not do anything that would cross him that would disrespect him we we don't do want to do anything that he says is wrong not because we're just afraid he's going to get us but because we don't want to live in a way that he says is wrong the right kind of fear keeps us from destroying what is good in our lives. And then there's the other kind of fear, the fear that destroys goodness and joy. You see, anxiety drives more human behavior than we realize. So much anger in the world is really just fear in the skies. And oh boy, this next one, control issues and perfectionism is often fear in disguise. We're afraid that if we don't have control and if we don't do everything just right, we're afraid of what will happen. Many addictions and destructive behaviors are rooted in a misguided attempt to deal with stress, anxiety, or fear. If we only understood how those things drive our behavior. Now let's talk about something completely different. Do you like dogs? Do you like dogs? I like dogs. I love dogs. 
I'm a dog person. I don't want a dog like licking me in the face, really. Some of y'all, that might be your thing. I do like dogs, though. Most people like dogs, except for cat people. And cat people, God loves you, too. I, I don't understand what the cat thing's about, but I'm, God loves you anyway. Anyway, anyway. Um, Dogs are hard not to love because they always show you love, at least dogs that are familiar with you. you know, dogs can be much more loving and forgiving than humans. If you don't believe me, lock a human and a dog in the trunk of a car and see which one is happy to see you when you open it up an hour later. No, 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 don't, don't actually do that. Please, please, please. Don't go off and do something horrible like that and say, well, preacher Michael told me I could lock you in the trunk. It was an experiment. No, do not do that. The thing is about dogs, you often have to look out for the small ones more than the big ones. That great big Labrador is probably only a danger to an unattended cheeseburger. But that chihuahua, mm, he might bite your face off. Why? Because the chihuahua knows how small he is. The aggression is more a function of fear than anything else. You see, that explains so much of human behavior. Deep, deep down, people are very often scared chihuahuas trying to protect yourselves from a world that's much bigger than us. You know, we, we have a notion of how small we are and how we really don't have control of the world around us, and that can make us lash out or go hide under the bed, but that's more like a scaredy cat than a dog. We try to get control. We try to make sense, but it all comes from stress, anxiety, and fear. Mm. And when fear has the steering wheel, we are in trouble. Fear is a terrible driver. And then there's fear on another level, a spiritual level. If you don't make any claims to be a Christian, to believe in God or to follow Jesus, I'm going to let you off the hook temporarily. You haven't made a promise to believe and trust God. So uh, you, you can just kind of listen for a second. But right now, I do want to talk to those of you who say you do believe in Jesus, that you are a believer, a Christian, a follower of Christ. Listen, there is a kind of fear that is a refusal to trust God. There is a kind of fear that comes dangerously close to calling God a liar. Ooh, that's a spiritual gut check. Mm. God promises he will never leave us and never forsake us, yet we so often fear that God has left us to deal with our problems alone. We say, where are you, God? He hasn't gone anywhere. God promises to provide if we will trust him, yet we stress all the time that we don't have enough. We're reluctant to trust him with what we have. Mm. We say we believe the promises of God, yet we live like those promises can't stand up to a little wind and a little rain without being blown over. We so often believe what our fear tells us and disbelieve what our God tells us. 
And therein lies so much of the problem. I know that some of the promises of God can seem like they're a little hard to believe. Like they're not going to come true in the moment. But the thing is about believing our stress, anxiety, and fear is that those things lie. Your stress lies to you. Did you hear me? Your anxiety lies to you. Your fear lies to you. The devil is a liar. He's going to do everything in his power to make us disbelieve the promises of God. This fear robs us of our peace. It robs us of our blessings. It robs us of the impact we can have on the world around us. And boy, do I ever feel that. I've been so anxious, stressed, and fearful about this message. But even now, I can feel the Lord working in my heart, waking me up. So let's get back to our verse. Perhaps the most memorable thing about it is how Jesus calls his listeners the little flock. He says, fear not, little flock. This is an imagery that goes back to the keeping of sheep. A a flock is a, a family, a group of sheep under the care of a shepherd. If there's safety in numbers, then a little flock would be more vulnerable than a big flock. Um, the people who, to whom Jesus was speaking felt small and vulnerable to the troubles in the world. In the specific context of these verses, Jesus was talking about the fear of not having enough. The stress that we have, we, we have too little, or that we are too little, is something we can deal with on a regular basis. Um, we often feel like we don't have the resources, don't have the money, don't have the time, don't have the ability, don't have the opportunity that we need in order to do what God says or to, to live successfully in this world. We think we can't trust God on a bigger scale because we don't have enough already. But the reality is, Having too much can be just as detrimental or more detrimental to expressing faith than having too little. Let me put it like this. Would your prayers for provision be more sincere and passionate if you have bills to pay and one dollar in your pocket or bills to pay, and a million dollars. I don't know about you, but it seems when I understand my need, I pray a lot harder. A little honest desperation seems to improve my prayer life. Jesus himself said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? Why this wild, impossible imagery? It's because so often the more a person has materially, the less obvious are their needs spiritually. Hmm. I know everyone needs enough to live. 
But understand this. If you never experienced any want, it might not be as good for you as you think. It might be spiritually destructive. Because if you have so much that you don't need anybody, you can start to believe you don't even need God. Most of us don't have to try that hard to understand that we need some help. Most of us feel like we need some help from time to time. And it, it, it often feels as though life dumps way too much on us. It, it's easy to feel very overwhelmed. I've spent a lot of my time feeling overwhelmed. It, it seems I've got a lot more responsibility than I have ability to deal with it. <laughs> you ever ran into a problem and you look around for a grown-up to solve the problem only to remember that you are the grown-up? And you're the one who's going to have to deal with it. Mm. Back in the fall, I was praying that the Lord would lead me to a new job that would allow me to meet my family's needs and also be fully faithful to my calling as pastor of Recreate Church. I want to say thank you to the people who prayed for me. A lot of you prayed for me. And I, I say thank God. He answered that prayer. He brought me a job. And, and in, in many ways, it is providing for my family in ways that weren't possible before however it's proven a little harder to juggle the responsibility than i thought i'm going to have to grow i'm feeling a little overwhelmed and that's not a nice feeling but it's it's driving me to some of that good desperation that kind of that desperation that makes your prayers a bit more sincere so i ask that you would pray for me that I'd be able to handle everything that's been given to me. I have a lot of responsibility in my day job, and of course, a lot of responsibility with the church, and a lot of responsibility with my family. So I'm having to learn and grow into all of this. Here's what I can tell you. Even when it feels like the demands of life are bigger than us, when we feel like a little flock, just one little lost sheep, God is faithful. As we create church, we're a littler flock than we were before COVID. There's no denying it. We were bursting at the seams in early 2020, and here comes the pandemic and kicks us right in the gut. Seems like the COVID curve hasn't flattened so much, but the the upward trajectory of a lot of churches has flattened. And, and, and yet, whether we are a little flock or a big flock, little is much when God is in it. Jesus did not tell us that we would have all the money and all the resources to do whatever we want, but this much is guaranteed, both as a church family and for your family, your household. Listen, listen, listen. You hear me? Come in a little closer. Come in a little closer. There's always enough money to trust and obey God. There's always enough time to trust and obey God. There's always enough energy to trust and obey God. There's always enough people to trust and obey God. God does some of his best work when we will trust and obey him even though it seems like we don't have the resources even when the odds seem to be against us god loves to do big things with small people he chooses unexpected people as heroes of faith 
even a handful of people can make a big impact when they will trust. Fear would have us believe the worst. Yet Jesus paints a very different picture. He tells us that we should not fear. But then He gives us a reason. He gives us a reason behind the command, a qualification, a great reason. He says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Mm, mm, mm. Let's break that down. Okay. He is your Father. If you are a believer, your identity is as a child of God, a child of the King. And that relationship changes everything. A good human parent wants good things for their children. Don't you know that your heavenly Father wants even better things? For his children, he wants to bless you. To bless you gives God good pleasure. And you're going to say, okay, Mr. Smart Guy, if God wants to bless me, why hasn't he? Dude, look around. Look around. You have more blessings than you realize. You, you are, you've got more going for you than you know. Even if life is hard, you've got a lot of blessings. And you're going to say, well, okay, fine, i got more blessings. But why do I still struggle? Mm. Let me ask you, what exactly do you want? Do you want a trouble-free life? Me too. But we don't get that this side of heaven. In heaven, in heaven you'll have your trouble-free life. But that's not how this world works. Even Jesus, the Son of God, didn't have a trouble-free life. If you're asking God to give you so much that you don't have to worry about trusting Him anymore, well, that's obviously not the right request. So you might think that I'm standing up here on this platform talking about this as someone who's never experienced what it's like to struggle. Mm. If you only knew. Some of you do know. Trying to live for Jesus, well, that has cost me and my family. This dream of Recreate Church has, has cost us more than almost anything. I'm not talking about money necessarily, but it's been tough. It's been a tough road to walk it's and i'm not here to give you a bunch of sob stories i don't want you feeling sorry for me we are blessed but i do want you to know that we know what it's like to struggle not for doing the wrong thing but for doing the right thing and i'm going to say to god be the glory because we know without a doubt we could not have possibly made it without the Lord providing for us. And some of that provision has come through the kindness and generosity of people who love Jesus, people like you. As a matter of fact, I'm quite certain there's someone listening to this message, many someone's listening to this message, who have personally and directly blessed me and my family with their generosity. God bless you you don't know how your kindness has shown up at just the right moment to meet a very specific need when we had no idea how it would be met. I'm so grateful that things are getting better now. Things are, are looking up. 
And I pray for me and my family that we can be as generous to people as you folks have been generous to us. And we've got our work cut out for us. So we're incredibly thankful. And yet, the Scripture does not say that it is your Father's good pleasure to give you money. He offers something better. The kingdom. In the New Testament, the kingdom is a high-level concept. On, on one level, it means living in heaven, being part of the family of God. Yes, that's part of what it means to be the kingdom, but in a very real here-and-now sense, it means being a part of what God is doing in this world. The kingdom is God's power on earth. Power. And He's ready to share that with us if we will trust in Him. He is ready to give you the power to make an impact on the world around you. Ooh, now we... Maybe we need to own up to one of the biggest fears of many believers. We are so often afraid to be the hands and feet and voice of God. You're made to make a difference with your words and with your actions, and yet the world can intimidate us out of sharing the life and love of Jesus with the people around us. There's people in your circle, people you work with, people in your family, people who you encounter on a regular basis, maybe some people in your very own home who need to know how very much Jesus loves them and how they can find life and hope and peace in Jesus, and you're meant to be a part of that. God has put you there as the missionary. You are the liaison. You are the Jesus person at your work. You're the Jesus person in your home. You're the Jesus person in the post office you stop at. You're the Jesus person in the gas station where you pump. You're unleaded. He's called you to be a part of that. Do not let the devil scare you out of being that person. Stress, anxiety, and fear. They tell us we don't have enough. Faith says there's always enough when we trust. Stress, anxiety, and fear say you're going to fail, so don't even bother trying. Faith says the only real failure is the failure to trust God and try. Stress, anxiety, and fear they will tell you that you aren't enough. Faith says your Father is ready to give you the kingdom. The world around us seems calculated to produce these things. Stress, anxiety, and fear. We worry what's going to come in the future. We don't know how we're going to deal with it now. We're stressed out about the moment. We worry that the past will come back and bite us. And I can't promise you that it won't. I can't promise you that the future is going to be easy or that today is going to be easy or that the dumb things you've done before won't come back. I can't promise you that. But this is what I can promise you. You don't have to be afraid. Because God is with us. He went above and beyond to connect with us, Jesus. He sent Jesus 
to earth to be one of us. Jesus is all the power and glory and majesty of God wrapped up in a human being, both God and man at once. How does that work? It's quite a mystery. And maybe we won't understand it fully this side of heaven, yet it is true. And although Jesus never did a single thing wrong, he stepped in to take the penalty for our sin so that if we will trust in him, we can be forgiven and adopted into the family of God. We don't have to be afraid. We might just be a a little flock. You might feel like you're a sheep by itself sometimes. Our problems might be bigger than us, but they aren't bigger than our God. He's ready to give us the kingdom. He's ready to give us power if we will trust in him. It is my prayer that we can see each other face to face. Face to face. I miss you guys. I'd really hope to be with you in person this week. We didn't get things ready in the facility, and I'm bummed about that. That's on me. That's my bad. Love you guys. I really want to see you soon. Lord willing, next week we'll be there. And Lucy is going to talk to us and share with us some about the meaning, the sanctity of human life and how all life should be respected as a creation of God. Love you guys so much. Hey, holler at me. If you think of me, holler. I'd love to hear from you. Miss you all this week. I'm going to try to get in touch with as many people as I can to uh, get us ready and back together next Sunday. God bless you all. Love you. Talk to you next time.